John, chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know where, the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Here ends the second reading. Well, uh, please have a seat. And uh, if we haven't met before, as Ken said, my name is Ian. And this is what we call an invitation service, which is just a chance for us regulars to make a special effort to invite people along to hear something about Jesus and uh, what he offers. So I guess it's like a trailer at the cinema, and our hope is that uh, you'll want to come back and hear more about Jesus and what he offers. And what Jesus offers, you cannot find it in any other religion or belief, because he offers the chance to be sure about God uh, and sure of where you stand with God. And I wonder if you would say that describes you yet this morning. Billy Graham, the evangelist, was once doing a mission in Sydney in Australia, and they interviewed him on uh, ABC, the national radio. And one question they asked him was, uh, Dr. Graham, if you died tonight, how sure are you that you would go to heaven? And uh, Big Billy said, completely sure. And there was uproar. Um, people, the phone lines were jammed with angry people phoning in, saying how arrogant the man was. And I guess they thought he was saying, Look, I'm, I'm sure I've done enough to get to heaven. But that is not what Billy Graham was saying. He doesn't believe that he's going to get to heaven because of what he's done. He believes that he's going to get to heaven because of what Jesus has done. And that is what this trailer this morning is all about. I want us to take a look at what Jesus has done for us so that we can come into relationship with God and then how we need to respond to Jesus so that we can be sure of that personally. So first up, what has Jesus done for us? I want to answer that from the bit of John's Gospel we had read earlier. I wonder if you could find it again on page three of your service sheet um, if you don't want to dive into the, uh, the Bible. It's just on page three of the service sheet, and at the bottom of that page, you'll see it says, second reading, John chapter 14. And uh, this is Jesus talking to his disciples on the Thursday night before the Good Friday on which he died on the cross. And Jesus knew exactly what was coming. He knew that he was about to die on the cross then rise from the dead and return to be with his Father in heaven, which is where he is now. At this point, the people he's talking to didn't get any of that. 
all they knew was that he was on about dying uh, and going away, and it left them understandably troubled. So Jesus says in verse 1 here, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And just notice the way he just puts himself on a par with God. Believe in God, he says, God the Father. Oh, and by the way, believe also in me, God the Son. Puts himself completely on a level. And what he particularly means here is you are going to need to believe in what I'm about to do for you on the cross. So verse 2, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you? So when he says my Father's house, he's on about heaven. And I was talking about heaven recently to someone at our church uh, in his 80s, not yet a Christian, and he said, it does not appeal to me at all. He said, I mean, who would want to live forever with all the aches and pains and evils of this life? And I suddenly twigged that he thought that heaven was just this life going on forever, which would be grim. Who would want that? But the Bible says heaven is life finally made perfect because everyone there is finally doing what God wants. And Jesus was saying to his disciples, I'm about to go and prepare a place for you there. And he didn't mean, I'm about to go next stop to heaven to check that the rooms are clean and tidy and there's chocolates on the pillows and a turndown service and all the rest of it. He meant, I'm going to go next stop to the cross to pay for you to have the right to be there. Uh, a few weeks ago, I took my wife Tess away to a, a B&B over in the lakes, and you had to book and pay in advance. Uh, and so we, uh, we rocked up with our booking uh, slip, and straight away, it was all smiles and welcome, and ah, you, mu- you must be Mr. and Mrs. Garrett, come on in. If we had just turned up expecting a room, it would have been a totally different story. We would have been disappointed. It doesn't work like that, and nor does heaven. Most of the people that I talk to uh, at funerals when I take them seem to believe that there is a heaven, and most of them seem to believe that pretty much everyone will get there unless they have done something desperately bad, like Hitler. (coughs) The Bible says that isn't true. The Bible says none of us is welcome in heaven as we are. Because remember what I said about heaven. It's the place where everyone is finally doing what God wants. So everyone there is saying to God, this is your kingdom, your king, I'm going to do what you want. And that is not us by nature, is it? By nature, what we are doing all the time is saying to God, I don't want you telling me how to live. I want to run my own life, my own way. And that, that attitude to God, that Pushing him away is what the Bible calls sin. And along with all the wrong behavior that it leads to, it is completely offensive to God and it brings us under his judgment. And that is why Jesus had to die on the cross to bring us back into relationship with God. So just imagine uh, for a moment that um, one of these lights up there stands for God and this hand stands for you and me. And we were made and put here to live in relationship with God, to look up to him uh, and let him tell us what life's about and how to live it. 
But actually, none of us has done that. All of us, consciously or subconsciously, we've, we've turned away and said, no, I, I think I can make a better job of it myself. So then imagine that this file that I'm holding is, is the record of, of all my sin, everything that at the end of the day God should hold against me. So let's put it there to represent the, the judgment I deserve of being cut off from God. Now that is not how God wants the story to end. He loves us too much for that. And in his love, he has found a way of forgiving us all of that without compromising his justice, which is something he can't do. And that way is Jesus dying on the cross. So imagine now that this hand stands for Jesus, God's son, come down from heaven to become a human being like us. But unlike us, he never did this and he never deserved that. And yet when he died on the cross, the Bible is saying he he took responsibility for everything we've done wrong took the judgment that it deserves on himself so that on the one hand we can be forgiven like James was saying and on the other hand justice can be done and that is what Jesus was on about when he said I'm going to the cross to prepare a place for you I'm going to pay for your right to be there And he knew that he would then, as I said, rise from the dead, return to his father in heaven, which is where he is now, uh, and start calling people into relationship with God on the strength of what he'd done. So in verse 3, Jesus says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, in other words, heaven, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. But at this point, they didn't know what he was on about. And so Thomas, honest fellow, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So all along, he's been talking about the way into relationship with God. And now he says, I am the way, the only way. And if you want to have this relationship with God, you've got to come through me. So we're into the second half of the trailer, and that's about how do we need to respond to Jesus? What do we need to do about this? And actually, he's already told us, because in verse 1, he says, believe in me. That's it. So uh, most people believe there is a God. Uh, Muslims do, Jews do, Hindus do, some Buddhists do. Most of the people who tick the no religion box on the census form actually do. But that isn't what Jesus is talking about. Just believing that there is a God doesn't make you a Christian or give you relationship with God. What Jesus says is, believe in me which means more than uh, believe he really existed. He did, but believing that doesn't make you a Christian. It means more than believing he was a good man and, and the son of God. He was both, but believing that doesn't make you a Christian. When Jesus said, believe in me, he meant trust in me and let me do for you what it takes to bring you back into relationship with God. 
It's a bit like having an operation. A few years ago, I had a lump on my leg that they were slightly worried about, and so I was sent down to the REI uh, to a surgeon called Mr. Meggett. And by having that operation, I was believing in Mr. Meggett, not just believing that he existed, which he does, not just believing that he's a good surgeon, which he is. Believing in Mr. Meggett meant coming to the RVI, trusting what he could do as a surgeon, and letting him, asking him to cut my leg open, dig out the lump and stitch me back up again, pardon the detail. And believing in Jesus is like that. He's back in heaven, and it, it means coming to him in prayer, trusting what he's able to do for you because he died for you on the cross, and asking him to forgive you and give you this new relationship with him and his father. And so I wonder if you have done that yet. Because this isn't asking us, have you been baptized and confirmed? Have you been coming to church all your life? Uh, have you done Christianity explored, discipleship explored, and anything else explored that they invent in the next few years? What's your label? Catholic, Methodist, Anglican. It's not asking you that. It's asking you, have you believed in Jesus? Have you come to him? Have you trusted what he did for you on the cross? And have you asked him to forgive you and give you this new relationship with him and his father? Because Jesus said, I am the way. No one comes to the father except through me. Now, in my experience, people get offended by that. I may have offended you by that. Sometimes they're offended on their own behalf. And they say to me, look, I've always tried to live uh, a good life. So... Surely that's going to mean that I'll be okay with God. But the truth is, that is just blagging. If you're saying that, I'm sorry, you're blagging. Because if we are honest, we would admit that we haven't even always tried to live a good life, let alone succeed. So the answer to that one is, let's get real. Sometimes people are offended. I think they're more offended on behalf of others, actually. And, and they say, well, what about other religions? Don't they all lead to God? To which the answer is obviously no. Because if you compare the Christian message and, and, and all the world religions, they say completely different things. There are some similarities. So, for example, Islam says uh, there is one God and he's the creator and, and judge. But in this game, it's not the similarities that matter. It's the differences so I was at Central Station one time, sitting on the train to London, waiting, it, waiting for it to move, and this really nervous-looking guy got on, sat down next to me, and he was checking and double-checking his tickets, and he suddenly turned to me. He said, is this seat 25B? I said, yes. There was a little pause. And then he said, is this coach F? I said, yes. There was another pause. I said, is this the train to Edinburgh? And it would have been completely besides the point for me to say, well, it's similar. Uh, you know, it's, it's a Northeast Line train. It's the same color. They serve the same coffee, the same sandwich. It isn't the similarities that matter in this kind of game. It's the differences. The point is, that wasn't going to get him to Edinburgh. And even if some religions say similar things, some similar things to the Christian message, the point is they will not get people into relationship with God because they do nothing about sin and God's judgment. Only Jesus does that. 
So uh, as an illustration of that, I was once speaking at uh, an event like this, only it was a dinner, and I was sat next to this lovely Muslim woman called Awa. And uh, after I'd spoken, I sat back down and I asked her what she'd made of it. And she said, well, I, I really think we believe the same things, don't we? And I said, no, I don't think we do. And she said, well, what do you mean? So I said, well, look, imagine that on the way home tonight, we're both run over by a bus and killed. It was my usual sort of light after-dinner banter, you know, oh, and have, a, have another after-eight as well. But anyway, we're both dead under the bus. Your belief says you've got to face Allah. Um, how do you think that's going to go? I said to her. And she said, well, what we believe is that he's going to weigh up our good deeds against our bad deeds, and he will have mercy upon us according to how that turns out. So I pushed my luck and I said, and how do you think that stands right now? And she said, not good. And so I pushed it a bit more and I said, do you think that's going to change before you die? And she very honestly said, no, I don't think so. And she was actually living in quiet despair, as many other people in other religions are, not to mention just decent people around us completely different to Billy Graham. See, Billy Graham, sure that God does accept him, like, like James was saying. Our, pretty sure that he can't. And that's because they are two completely different ways. One is the way of trusting in Jesus and what he's done. One is the way of trusting in myself and what I do. One is true, one is false. One gets you there, one doesn't. That's what Jesus is saying. So I wonder where you stand uh, on all this this morning. Uh, I'm just a visitor here, but I know that some of us have been here since this church started. Um, I haven't said anything new to you. You've heard this all before, and you know it's true. But you haven't done anything about it. You haven't responded to Jesus. And I want to nudge you about why. It may be that you are like a friend of mine just before he became a Christian, and he'd heard it all, he'd thought about whether it's true, he'd read the books like James was saying, he'd counted the cost pretty carefully of becoming a Christian, but I remember him saying to me, there are two things holding me back, he said, I'm not good enough to become a Christian, and I couldn't be what a Christian's supposed to be. I wonder if either of those is your reason for holding back. You might be saying, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough to come to Jesus. I have made such a mess of my life. I need to get myself more sorted out before I come to him, which is a bit like saying, I need this lump on my leg to get a bit smaller before I go to Dr. Meggett. Jesus is saying, just come as you are. That's why I died for you on the cross, to forgive all of that mess and to be accept, able to accept you as you are right now. Not when you think you've got yourself a little bit more sorted out. Or maybe you're thinking, I couldn't be what a Christian is supposed to be. You know, I know what would have to change. And you're right, none of us can. But here's the other part of what Jesus offers. Not just to forgive us for the whole mess of the past... Uh, and the way that we need forgiving in the future, but to come into our lives by his spirit and change us from within and give us the willpower to live for him. And so he does have the ability to change 
the situation of hating someone, as James was saying, to reconciliation. And we know that is not the kind of thing that we can pull off under our own steam. So I want to say to you, why hold back anymore? But I guess there are others here. And you've actually thought all along that you were a Christian. And perhaps this morning, the penny has just dropped that you're not. Because it's not about, have you been baptized and confirmed? Have you been coming to church all your life? What's your label? Catholic, Methodist, Anglican. It's about, have you believed in Jesus? Have you come to him? Have you trusted in what he's done for you on the cross? Have you asked him to forgive you and to come into your life by his spirit? Well, I'm going to end by giving you a chance to do that. I'm going to say a prayer that will be a way of responding to Jesus for the first time. So before we pray, let me run it past you so that you could see uh, whether it's appropriate for you to try and avoid the kind of false start that James was talking about a bit earlier. So here's the prayer. It's up behind me. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for living my own way as if you weren't there. Thank you for dying for me to put that right. Please now forgive me and give me your spirit to help me live for you from now on. Now, you may be further back and not ready to pray anything as committing as that. Um, Or you may be further on. You've already begun like this with the Lord Jesus. And you don't need to begin all over again. But if you want to respond to Jesus like that, you could echo this prayer in your mind to him as I lead us now. So let's bow our heads and pray. Here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for living my own way as if you were not there. Thank you for dying for me to put that right. Please now forgive me and give me your spirit to help me live for you from now on. Amen. I'm into extra time, but just let me say a few quick things. Earlier on in in John's Gospel, Jesus promises this. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. What he's saying is, whoever comes to me, I will accept them, and I will never subsequently give up on them. And if you have just prayed that prayer and meant it, you can put your name to that promise. If you have just prayed it, can I encourage you to do two other things? One is to tell another Christian, because they can then make some suggestions as what would help you go on from here, especially what would help you in this church. The other is to encourage you to take a copy of this booklet, Why Jesus, which you'll find on some of the stands around the building. It just goes over that step that I've been explaining and it would help you to be more sure of what you've just done. And whether or not you have just prayed, if you want to be more clear today on where you stand with God, that would be a great thing to read.